Okay, folks. Uh, okay, we uh, we're going to continue with our journey in the book of Ephesians, and we're having our mini-series within the series uh, of Marriage Designed by God. The title of our message tonight is The Perfect Husband. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, men, are you ready? All right. <laughs> okay, brace yourself. Uh, verse, we're going to start with verse 21 again. Submitting to one another, this is from Ephesians chapter 5, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's number one. That's the key for every marriage. And then verse 22, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own, own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for bringing all of us again together tonight in this building with our families and our friends, giving us another day to spend time with them. We thank you for this church family that you've chosen for us. And Father, we are now asking, Father, for your blessing, for your anointing, your Holy Spirit to be upon us. As your, the songs that we're, uh, that we're saying, Lord God, prepared our hearts now, Lord. We ask for your Holy Spirit to teach us, to guide us, to give us the humility for whatever we hear Father, may we accept it, especially if we need it. May you give us understanding. And Father, may you just teach us. Anoint my lips, Lord God. Let nothing, Lord God, about me hinder you from speaking your truth to your people. Forgive us, Lord, for all of our sins. Be with us, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. That was, um, so they changed the word. Jamie was getting tired of my PowerPoint presentation, so now we're changing the slides. Hopefully it's more uh, nice for you guys. Here's a recap. For, for those of you who weren't here the Sunday before last, we discussed verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. So the first part is sacrificial love. But under sacrificial love, we, we read there, right? We discussed it. That sacrificial love means we have to die to ourselves, husbands. And then the second is that we are to be prayerful. We have to be praying for our wives. We have to be praying for their ministries. We have to be praying for their plans. We have to be praying for their growth. And then the third is we have to be attentive to their needs. Right? Some of you are losing, I'm losing your attention now. I'm kidding. No, be, we need to be attentive to their sensitivity, 
to their wants and to their needs, to give them our time, our attention. And we need to be faithful. Faithful. My wife keeps telling me I say faithful. 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 Because a, a perfect husband, right, a sacrificial love, cannot be cheating on their wives. Amen? I know sometimes we need to be saying the obvious because sometimes the obvious are not exercised. So um, tonight we have these three points to finish out the responsibilities of the husband. So we will our first point is sanctifying love, self-love is the second point, and then Jesus, the perfect husband. So marriage was and is designed by God. Like any other invention, whether it's an appliance, kitchen appliance, a cell phone, or a vehicle, the designer or maker has the set of instructions on how their invention is to function, right? And, and those instructions is to, to show us how it will function properly as designed. And, and if you follow the design, if you follow the, the, the instructions that the, the designer have laid out, the, 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 I'm getting distracted, but the, the, the invention or the device that you have, it will last longer as intended. Did that make sense? Now, same with marriage. God is the one who designed marriage. So he has given us a set of instructions on how a marriage should be, that if we follow it to the T, it will last longer. And we will enjoy marriage as God has designed for us to enjoy. But if we were to not follow the instructions of God in our marriages, then we are the only ones left to be blamed. Okay? If you were to listen to how the world tells you on how marriages should be, then your marriage will fail or you will have a hard time. So, to the first point, sanctifying love. This is verse 26 to 27 of Ephesians 5. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Now, love the word is love the verb. It's just not a word. It's an action word, right? So love must be acted upon. So us husbands, we are commanded by God to sanctify. Now this word is not, we don't use it commonly, right? We don't go to places and we say, oh, can you sanctify that pizza for me? <laughs> no, because it's, it's, religious, it's a religious word. But believe it or not, during the time when this was written, this was not a religious word. This was a secular word. Hagiadzo is the, the Greek word, hagiadzo. It means to render or acknowledge or to be venerable or hallow, to separate from profane things and dedicate to God. So husbands, we are to separate our wives from profane things and we are to dedicate them to God. We are to uh, purify. It means to purify, to cleanse externally. To purify by expi expiation, free from the guilt of sin, to purify internally from by renewing of the soul. So the sanctifying effect of such love in verse 25, husbands love your wives, the result is 
a sanctifying love. So let me just say some, the, the not, what it doesn't mean. So what it doesn't mean is you, us husbands, we are not to bring our wives to do stupid things. We are to keep our wives pure. The most uncomfortable topic in the church pulpit. Porn. Husbands, if you have struggles in porn, you are not to include, you are to quit that altogether because that's what God's command, God's command to us. But all the more you are not to bring your wife with you in that. If your struggle is drugs, alcohol, gambling, whatever your own struggle is, if you love your wife, the real love that God tells us is we are to sanctify them, put them away from that. But rather, we are to bring them closer to God. Amen? We are to bring them more closer to God. That is the effect of verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Sacrificial love is beautifully set forth in verses 26 to 27. In order for us to fully understand the meaning of sanctifying love, we have to th think of three pictures. If I can have your attention, three pictures, okay? The first picture is Hebrew. In the Hebrew picture, the prophetic picture, and the marital picture. So the Hebrew, in Hebrew, on the bride's wedding day, the day of her dreams, right? She rises with the dawn in anticipation. She's very excited. The hours are, are just going fast. She's with her friends, women friends, and then she follows her ritual. There's the, the bathing, the cleansing bath has to be completed, and she is to be clothed in her embroidered linen, wedding dress and wedding sandals, and then she waits breathlessly, you know, without spot or wrinkle. That's the, that's the Hebrew picture of this verse. And then the second picture, the prophetic picture, is that the individual members of the church here on earth who under the preaching of the word are joyously baptized, right? When we were baptized, it symbolized that we were washed from our sin. And then when we were raised, there was a regeneration, the bride of Christ. Every Christian who, you know, we belong to the church of Christ and we are the bride of Christ. And we are to radiate the perfection of Christ as Christ's bride. And then the third is the marital picture. Now, it is of a woman who throughout her life has grown to be ever more like Christ. That's the sanctifying love. Husbands, that's our goal, is that we are able to present our wives sanctified, meaning they fall in love more with the Lord. If they're already in love with the Lord now, all the more they need to be in love more with Him through our help. We are to help them grow in their relationship with the Lord. Women, the single women, choose well. Don't just go for that guy with a six-pack and looks good. Or the guy that makes a lot of money or drives that fancy car. Look for the man who loves Jesus Christ. Amen? I said, look for the man who loves Jesus Christ. Don't look for the guy that's Christian, Christian, like uh, Vince said last Sunday. Christian, Christian. Right? When you double the name, it's fake, right? 
It's, it's not true. Not because they have the, the name tag of a Christian church. It doesn't mean they love Jesus. Amen? No. Maybe. Maybe. I'll convince you later. <laughs> but that's our goal. Amen? Sanctifying love. So isn't that challenging? I think so. I think it's challenging. Because we have to serve as a stepping stone. Right? For our wives to fall in, more in love with the Lord rather than be a stumbling block for them. So... For that's a very stern warning. Again, everything in the Bible goes together. If you're really, if you're really studying it well, and you're accepting God's truth, because before you even get married, or while you're in the dating game, you're told by the verse in Corinthians that we are not to yoke with unbelievers, right? So how can that be the right husband or the right wife for you if they are unbelievers? That alone, the first step is wrong. We discussed it, right? First thing first, right? We all have to fall in love with the Lord first. And the submission of wives must be a fruit of their love for Christ. The love of the husbands for their wives must be a fruit because of their love for Christ. Everything is rooted in there. So the question for the logical person should be, how do I do this? So the saying that uh, you can't give what you don't have, you think it only applies for the secular? No, it applies for the spiritual life too, right? Now, husbands, if you don't love God, if He isn't the one that drives you, if He isn't the one that motivates you, if, he is, if He's not the one that is reflected in your life, then you cannot love your wife in a sanctifying way because you can't give what you don't have. So husbands, the challenge for us and single men that wants to be a husband someday, the challenge for you is that you must fall in love with God. With your entire being. The first and greatest commandment, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. So women, look for that man who loves Christ. Again, and you're, you're asking like, oh, pastor, I've been praying for that. My, my request is only simple. I want somebody who loves the Lord, somebody who's rich, somebody who's good looking. <laughs> That's all I want. Simple. You, you parted the Red Sea. You can do this for me. <laughs> In Colossians 3.16 it reads, Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. You want to look for a man who loves God? Look for that. If they're doing that, if when you're hanging out with them, if when you're speaking to them, if they are not singing psalms, if their words are not full of Bible verses, if they're just talking about money this, basketball that, football this, right? But there is no ingredient of God. And if they talk about God, it's just like, oh, I want to be rich and I hope God blesses my plan. <laughs> if that's, you know, you, you're probably not dating the right guy. You want to look for that man who loves God. See, that's for the single women. No, for the husbands that are married, right? The husbands, you're obviously, you can't be a husband if you're not married. But the husbands... We are to be talking to our wives about God. Amen? I know. I know we're tired. 
right? We work a lot of hours. We have a lot of pressure. We take a lot of, a lot of stuff at work. And the last thing we want to do is hold a Bible study at the house when we come home, right? <laughs> yeah, it has to come naturally, right? Again, if you are not in love with God, you'll have a hard time doing that. Now, God, and then here's Matthew 12, 34. Broad of vipers, how can you speak good things when you are evil? For the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Husbands, is that, what's coming out of our mouths all the time? Maybe we need to put a recorder in our house and, and, and just tape us, you know? I remember the first time there was a real TV, uh, what's that, uh, real world? Um, MTV came up with this when they would have cameras on, on certain strangers and they live in one house and I found that very interesting when I moved here from the Philippines. I'm like, this is crazy. They're letting people re record them because I, I'm saying this because I know at my house, I'm like not proper all the time. But with the cameras on, now you're going to be exposed. So maybe husbands, is that the one way that we'll be able to examine ourselves and grade ourselves if we're really, are we really Leading our wives, are we sanctifying our wives in the manner that, God, that we're always talking about God, in the manner that we're leading them to fall more in love with Jesus? Or are we doing the opposite? Are we always complaining? Are we, oh my gosh, I can't wait for us to get out of this life. I can't wait for us to go back to the Philippines because in the Philippines there's no problems. Right? If we get out of this state, there will be no more restrictions. Right? Is it really the place or is it where God wants you to be? It's where God wants you to be. If you're reading your Bible correctly, it's where God wants the people to be. Because Joseph was thrown in jail, but God wanted him there. Right? Because he had a lot of training to do in the jail. Because he's going to be a prime minister many years later. Right? It's where God wants us to be. So, husbands, God made us the head of our wives. Now, that didn't mean, if you missed it the last time, that didn't mean that we are to boss them around or to lord over them. But we are to love them. And one way to love them is to, for tonight's topic and this point, sanctify them. We are to wash them with the Word of God. If we ourselves study the Word of God, we're going to overflow with it. Now, if you need to join a Bible study group, join a Bible study group. There's a men's group in this church, believe it or not, for those of you who haven't heard it or ignore it. We have a men's group where you can learn about the Bible. Do what you have to do in order for you to be fed of the Word of God so that you can overflow with the Word that you've learned over to your wife. And by doing that, you are obeying God. Amen? And by obeying that, you are blessing your marriage because we're talking about marriage as God intended it to be. God is the designer of marriage and He said, we husbands are to lead our wives or we are to love our wives and, and we have to sanctify them. Remember when Jesus did His first miracle? He did it in, in a wedding, right? Now John 2, 7-8 reads, Fill the jars with water, Jesus told them. 
So they filled them to the brim. Then he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the head waiter. And they did. Now just as Jesus came as the servant of all, we husbands, we are, you are to be a servant of your wife. If the wine of romance, the wine of happiness, the wine of joy is gone from your marriage, first fill up your own vessel with the water of the word. Get back in the word. Reestablish a devotional time, a quiet time for you to study the scriptures. Again, I'm, I'm endorsing Deacon John's ministry. Join the men's group. Join a Bible study group. Do whatever it takes. Fill up your life with the Word of God. And once you're filled, you will want to serve. You cannot help yourself. If you're falling in, if you're in love with God and you're overflowing with it, you cannot shut up about Him. Amen? It's the same thing when you watch something very interesting, a very nice movie or a very nice Netflix. Some of you can't shut up about it. You tell me. You tell me like, Pastor Joe, have you seen this? Blah, blah, blah. Have you seen the game? Did you see the shot? Did you see the block? Did you see this? Did you see that wild pass? Hey, did you go to Oregon? How many crabs did you get? Zero. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, we, we can't stop talking about it. Anything that catches us and grips us, we want to share, Right? We can't shut up about it. Now, that's the first indicator, that's the first sign that the husband is not in love with God if he never speaks about God to his wife. And as we're reading the scriptures, that husband is not obeying God's command and that marriage is failing and is not being blessed because it's not working as designed. Amen? Second point, self-love. Now, contrary to the world belief that we need to learn to self-love, we already love ourselves. Look at this. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does for the church since we are members of His body. See? We already love ourselves. You don't need to learn self-love. <laughs> the world loves to talk to, to us about, you have to love yourself first. Well, if they stop eating and really hurting themselves, then maybe you need to start talking to them about self-love. But majority of us in general, we already love ourselves. Now, husbands, now we are commanded to love our wives just as we love ourselves. Now, single men... You have to consider this. You have to consider this, okay? If you cannot be unselfish, then you must not get married. You cannot get married. Because getting married means letting go of ourselves. There's no more basketball nights. There's no more poker nights. It's gone. It's on the fine print. <laughs> if you missed it, it was in there. When you signed it, like, oh, you can't hang out with the boys anymore. What? I didn't see it there. Where was it? Now, if you can't do that, don't get married. Honestly. Be alone. Be alone with your... Just hang out with your friends if that's what you want. But once you get married, there's a lot of letting go. And then we have to, we have to be loving. If you can't be loving, you can't get married. 
Imagine marrying a Christian woman that loves the Lord. She loves God. You chose her. You said, oh, she, she will submit to me. Only for you to manipulate them. Only for you to abuse them. And only for you to always use verse 21. Submit, submit, submit. Don't read the next verses. Stop. Submit to me. Men, we are to love our wives as we love our own bodies. Now, there's a Greek mythology tells us, a Greek mythology tells us of a beautiful youth who loved no one until one day he saw his own reflection in the water and fell in love with that reflection. He said, oh my gosh, look at this good-looking beast. He was so lovesick that he finally wasted away. He was so lovesick. He wasted away and died and was turned into a flower that bears his name, Narcissus. Narcissus. Now, we are disgusted with narcissism, right? And we carefully seek to avoid it. We're like, oh, I don't want to date somebody who's narcissist. But here, the scriptures actually calls us to self-love. This is the legal self-love. Men, it's okay that we take care of ourselves, right? It's okay that you want to work out because you want to be healthy. You want to look good. You want to eat right. That's okay. You want to, you want to play sports so you can hang out and have some exercise. Sure, that's all good. But as much as you nurture and love yourselves, you have to be nurturing and be as, as attentive to your wives, now, as I was studying this, and I was telling the boys earlier, it makes it so hard for me to swallow because a lot of my errors and my own mistakes are being revealed here. You know? Because the question always remains, am I, am I sanctifying my wife the right way that God wants me to? Is my wife more closer to God because of me or, or is she still closer to God regardless of me? Am I loving my wife as I am loving myself? So we all have to ask these hard questions, you know, and then honestly answer them with the help of the Holy Spirit, right? We all know the right answers to these questions. We all know the Christianese answer. But is it really what our answer is based on our heart? Do we love our wives as we love ourselves? Now, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18 reads, But love your neighbor as yourself. You see? I am the Lord. This is God speaking to His people. That is the, gold, that is the golden rule of matrimony. But people who are married, that's the golden rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. You shall, husbands, we, we shall love our wives as we love ourselves. When you love her as yourself, you will be loving yourself because the two of you are, what did the Bible say? We become one flesh. Right? The call to love our wives as we love ourselves means, that's what it means? It means it takes work. <laughs> and we hate work, right? We hate work. We hate to work out. We, the, the idea of, of getting buff and getting healthy and looking good in our Instagram pictures is a nice thought. But the thought of really doing it, you know, the only open time that you have in the day is 5 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and you're running in the treadmill, you know, with one eye open, with coffee on the other hand. But then the treadmill is here, you're just on the side, you're like, oh, I missed it. 
It takes work to really do something for ourselves. It takes work. It's the same thing with marriage. Guys, it takes work. We have to work it out. We have to, we, ha- we made a commitment. When we said yes, when we got married, when we said I do, right? That's a commitment that we made to God first. First and foremost, it's a commitment. We made a covenant with God. Now, covenant is not a popular word anymore. I know we're going to be talking about marriage next Sunday. But still, this is, this is something that us husbands, we need to accept. We need to roll up our sleeves, men, and just get to work. Get to know our wives. We need to get to know them. And we need to bite our tongues when we want to yell. When they're talking to us and we know, get to the point, get to the point, get to the point. You just bite it if you have to. Cover your mouth if you have to. I know, they get so emotional. You know, us men, the studies show, we talk on an average 7,500 words. How about, how, do you know how many words women speak in a day? 30,000. <laughs> you have two women in your life. <laughs> yeah, but 15,000. Imagine, double. Double the amount. So, so when he gets home from work, and you're still like half away, you know, you still have 7,500 to go, and he's like, 500 off already? Like, yeah, babe. Yeah, I got you. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Because we're just, we're, just, we're just done, right? We're done. We're done. We're out with words. But the women, they love details. Right, men? We're like, oh, hey, Robert, what happened to you? Oh, man, I went to work. Cool. All right. That's, that's how men work. That's how dudes talk. You, know? you guys know that? How was work? Cool. All right. See you later. All right. You know how women work, talk? Hi. Hi, Bess. What'd you do? Oh, how was work? Oh my gosh, you're not going to believe it. I was supposed to go to work, then I saw this, and I saw that, and I went to my Amazon, and oh my gosh, the shopping thing. We went through, and they're like, oh wait, what were we talking about? Oh, ha, 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 It's draining when I'm watching it. I'm like, oh my gosh. You know, I have a daughter. I had my daughter and her two best friends. We drove back from Rockland, California, and it was just me. I didn't need the, 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 the stereo. I didn't, I didn't need it. They just kept talking. There were two and a half hours, three girls talking. And they were en- as energetic as when we took off and then when I dropped them off. It's the same thing. It's unbelievable. So it takes work. Men, we need, we need to strap up. We need to like put on our gear and get to work. We need to know our women. We need to, because when we understand them, right, when we understand them, then we'll be able to deal with them. We'll, and then when, when they know we're being understanding of them and we're sensitive to their needs, they know that we love them. Easy, right? <laughs> Easy, yeah? No? Now, to work out and go to the gym in order for our bodies to be healthy takes work. Same as to be sensitive to the feelings of our wife and their environment and what they're going through. It takes, we need to learn what irritates them. If it's our, our noises that we do, you know, that you're trying to take the meat out of your teeth. Like, oh gosh, will you stop that? We need to stop it. Okay, when they say, we need to remove those things. We need to remember their pet peeves. But you know, in our defense, women, wives, please understand this. We cannot read your minds. 
There's, there's a lot of communications that needs to happen. We get it. You have a lot of things to share. We get it. But the last thing that we will never get is to, un to know what's in your mind. If you want flowers, just tell us. <laughs> tell us. It, you know, it's the, lie, it's, the, it's the lie of the enemy. It's the greatest lie of the enemy when women say, if he loves me, he should know. <laughs> how? He, how? He already went to work and made money for you, and he has the money to buy you the flowers. You just need to tell him. How will he know if he didn't tell him? If he loves me, I don't have to say anything. <laughs> yeah, right. No, just say it. And then when you say it and he doesn't do it, then, then he probably doesn't love you. But if you say it, right, they give him a chance to do it, to give him a chance to make it right. Amen? Amen. All right. Uh, there's a... Um, all right, we're all going to get in trouble after this. The, so the, there's a, did you know, Bong, Bong, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I almost didn't pull it. Bong became a CEO of a, yeah, yeah, he did. Very successful company, became the CEO, and um, it was a Fortune 500 company. So he was with his wife, and they pulled up in the, uh, in the gas station, and then his wife saw the, the service station attendant. This was in Oregon, so they have to put the, the gas in your car, right? right? So Bong saw the ex of his wife, and he said, Oh, your ex is a gas attendant here. And then the wife goes, Oh, yeah, that is my ex. And then Bong was feeling pretty good about himself. He's like, you know, he's driving, he's driving down. He's got in his car, his, his, his nice uh, Mercedes, and, and they were just silent. And he was pretty, feeling pretty good. And then he finally spoke. He said, I bet I know what you're thinking. I bet you're thinking that you're glad you married me, a Fortune 500 CEO, and not him, a service station attendant. The wife goes, no, I was thinking if I married him, he'd be the Fortune 500 CEO, and you'd be the gas attendant. You know, men, we think, we think our wives owe it to us that they married us, huh? Sometimes we feel like they won the lottery because they ended up with us, right? But you know, the whole truth is this. They just didn't know any better. <laughs> they didn't know any better. That's why they landed us. No, we are blessed. Amen? Men, the Bible says, blessed are those who have found a wife. And the wife that you have is the wife that God wants you to have. And wives, unfortunately for you, the husbands that you have is the husband that God wanted for you. So we are to make marriages work. Happy is a man who marries the, the woman that he loves. But happier is a man who loves the, the wife that he married. Men, we are to love ourselves, love our wives as we love ourselves. Now this is the only self-legal legal, self-love that we are taught in the world, in the Bible, to love ourselves as to love our wives as we love ourselves. Let's be sensitive to our wives' moods, their moods, their needs, their nonverbal communications. Again, wife, we need your help. Just tell us. Now, but I'm not talking about a panic. Oh, what do you need? What do you need, babe? What do you need? Are you okay? Are you okay? Are you sure? No, no, no. Tell me. Tell me. No, no, no. Don't be like that. That, not like that. Not that sensitive, but the sensitive to say, okay, 
We've been arguing about this same thing over and over again. What is it that you really want me to do? Right? I mean, that takes pride. That, that takes humility. Men, and we don't like being humble in our house, right? But we have to be. We have to be. We set the thermostat at our house. Not the thermostat that you click, but the thermostat, the mood in the house, right? If we are humble ourselves, and then we, our children will see it. My father-in-law is good to remind me. He goes, if the children are happy if they see that their, their father loves their mom. So husbands, there's a lot. This is the design. This is the marriage that God has designed for us. We are, it's good for us to heed to it. And lastly, Jesus, the perfect husband. Now, the perfect husband is the title of our message, but we can never be the perfect husband, correct? We can always strive to be the perfect husband because we're always striving to be like Jesus. Amen? In this church, we say to know Christ, to become like Him, right? And to make Him known. So, husbands... We're already trying to be, Christ, be like Christ anyway, right? So if we're being like Christ, we're going to be the perfect husband because the perfect husband, Christ has done... No? Okay. I thought we had it. The, at verse 32, five, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 32, this mystery is profound, but I am talking about Christ and the church. That's what Paul wrote. And then if you go back to verse 23... For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. And then, um, is this it, the one? Oh, I lost it. It's in front of me, but it's not there. And in verse 27, it reads, So that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Our Lord Jesus Christ is the perfect husband. He is our bridegroom. We are his bride. He gave himself for us. You know, did you, what, how, do you how do you suppose Jesus' um, uh, attitude before he was sent to be here on earth? How was the attitude, do you think? Is it like, is it, was it met with like excitement? Like, oh yeah, let me go down there. Let me be a human being and let me be crucified. Was it like met with excitement, do you think? You know, we were shown what, it, what Jesus felt at that moment, right? And, and when, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus was, was, he was afraid of the cross, of the suffering that he was going to go through. He stressed out about it to the point that he bled. Like he sweat, um, he sweat was made out of blood or he sweated blood because of a big stress amount of stress but even that he still gave himself for us his enemies his enemies did we lose all our, our slides altogether okay now in John 12 12 to 14 this is my command love one another as I have loved you no one has greater love than this, to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Now that's our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? He is commanding us to love one another. No, especially in our marriages. 
We are to love our spouse. For tonight, it's us men. We are to love our wives. Even if they're not loving. Because God knows when we're not loving, they still love us. Even with our grumpy self. Love your wife as Christ loved you. Despite your imperfections, in spite of our failures, He, Jesus, still loves us and constantly comes after us to have a more intimate relationship with Him. Now therefore, because of that, we husbands must love our wife sacrificially. Our love for her should be to sanctify her with the Word of God. Right? To teach her the Word of God. That she will feel that we have, we, we know we're living out what we've learned. We're exercising it. We're, being, we're becoming more gentle. We're becoming more loving. We're becoming more sensitive. Right? There, you know, because us Christians, we're once saved, always saved. Amen? That's what we believe in, right? Nothing that we do that is short of, of God's grace We'll, we'll lose our salvation. But I also believe, and I think we all agree, that once saved, always changed. There has to be changes in our lives. There has to be changes in our demeanor. There has to be changes in our lifestyle. The Bible never, if, you, if we're reading the same Bible, then the Bible doesn't say, yeah, you can be saved and still remain the same. No, it has freed, up, freed us from our sin. Jesus' work on the cross, the grace, He freed us from the consequences of our sins. But it did not give us permission to sin. It actually freed us to, so that we can work for God and live for God. Because now we're doing it not out of fear, but out of love. Now you bring our, our, our wives in there, then we are to be loving to them. We are to teach them the Bible. We have to teach them and we have to show them that we care. We have to truly nurture them and take care of them as we take care and nurture ourselves. Now, how do you define what it means to make a sacrifice? We say we sacrifice for our family men, right? Or sacrifice for our careers. We speak of Jesus sacrificing himself so that we can experience eternal life. Now, Augustine of Hippo, the great North African bishop, defined sacrifice as the, quote-unquote, the surrender of something of value for the sake of something else. That's sacrifice. Which begs the question, what are we willing to sacrifice and for whom or what? Now, every day, we make decisions based on our priorities. And those priorities sacrifice one thing for another thing. Now, sadly, we often fall into habits where we no longer can recognize our selfishness, our self-centered priorities. Now, if sacrifice is, as Augustine once said, the surrender of something of value for the sake of something else, then what are you surrendering for the sake of Christ and His kingdom? We, we men and everybody in this room, we have to always ask that question. In replacement of my love for Christ, 
What am I sacrifice? What am I doing to because I'm sacrificing that? If I'm not going to live for the Lord right now, why? What am I? What am I doing? Because I'm going to work more. Because I'm going to make more money. Because I want my selfishness and I don't want to take care of my wife. Because I want to keep my old stubborn self. Because I'm old. I'm never going to be changed. I'm an old dog. You can't teach me new tricks. So we're going to sacrifice obeying God and His commands. And we're going to sacrifice our marriage and God to bless our marriage so that we could just remain to be like ourselves. Because we don't want to change. Because we don't want to give up things. Now, in a marriage, there really is not just compromise, but sacrifice. There's sacrifice. The question is, is God your priority? If your answer is yes, then you obey His commands. If, if God is your ultimate love, and He said, if you love me, obey my commands. And one of His commands is that husbands love our wives. Now, wives, if you don't have your husbands here tonight, you have the podcast to share with them. <laughs> but you have prayer. It, it, to be in a marriage with someone who's very stubborn and doesn't love God is a very difficult marriage. Amen? I feel, I, I feel that with you. I, I sympathize with you. But those of us who are here and we love God, and we're, we're constantly at work. We're still, you know, just like the freeway. It's always at work, right? <laughs> it's been like this for 20 years. But it's like constantly at work. We're a work in progress. At least recognize, okay, that's one thing. Those two things. Those are three things. Those are four things that I need to do for God to bless me in my marriage. Amen? Husbands, it's a lot of work. But it's going to be worth it. It's a lot of sacrifice, but it's going to be worth it. Because the, our wives, when they see the change in us, and they hear us, and we lead them to the Lord, they will become more submissive to us. I'm telling you, it's going to be worth it. I'm still working at it too. You know? But it's, this is God's design. And this is the only way that the marriage will perfectly work. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your blessing of this message that you've given to us. We thank you for the, the marriages that are here in this church body, Lord God. We thank you for them. I pray for their blessings, Lord God. Please protect them from any harm or danger. Please protect them from the attacks of the enemy. And I pray for the, the marriages that are in trouble, Lord God. I pray that you rescue them. Please mend the 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 broken relationships. Please heal the broken hearts. And I pray, Lord God, for wisdom for those who are involved in these marriages that are in love with you. I pray that they will completely depend on you and will never give up on their hope that you, Lord God, can change themselves and their spouse. That you, Lord God, can bless their marriage, Father. I, I pray for the stubborn ones, Lord God. I pray that you break their hearts, Lord God. Break the, that, that tough shell, Lord. Remove them from their comfort zone. Father, help them, Lord, improve in their relationship with you so that they can improve in their other relationships, especially with their wife, Lord God. I pray, Father, for um, forgiveness for our sins, for our shortcomings, for the many times that we were not loving to our wives, Lord God. 
Help us, Father, to become more and more like you. And Father, I pray, Lord, for everyone that are in this building, the single people, Lord God, that heard the messages about marriage and how to be a wife, how to be a husband. I pray, Father, that uh, one thing that they're always going to remember is that they themselves need to be in love with you in order for them to be perfect for their, the partner that you have for them. Father, guide them, protect them from the lies of the enemy. Protect all of us from the lies of this world. Guide us, Father. In Jesus' mighty name. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. 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 Let's all rise for the closing hymn. And if you want to, if you have any decisions you want to make this evening, if you want to accept Christ as your Lord, please come up so we can lead you into that prayer. If you've been coming to this church and you want to become a part of it, please come up so we can recognize you. And um, if you just need prayer, please come up so we can pray for you. of